We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, are you ready to jump into these questions? We have to start, we have two super stickers from Tom Connor. Tom, I appreciate that very, very, very much. And we have a few more super chats we'll get to here first, Sean. Full House Backfield, thank you for the super chat. I don't get to watch live often, but you guys help me realize that in some ways, the non-playoff bowls are more of a preseason game. If fans look at it this way, it may reduce angst it has for me. Yeah, we talked about this last week, Sean, and I did this mm-hmm. in my midweek rundown last week. I said, look, we've got to – and this this is like sometimes you give advice to yourself first, yeah. then you give it to other people, or you're giving your advice to yourself and then sharing that advice to other people, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what I did last Wednesday, which is we've got to rethink how we view bowl games. And because it went from – they all it was the best time of the year to where none of them matter unless it's a playoff game. And, yeah, I remember watching Ohio State a few years ago, having all these kids opt out of the freaking Rose Bowl, and I'm just, like, disgusted by it. And I'm like, you know, it, and and so, oh, none of them matter. Well, that's not the way to – the way to look at it now with the with the realities of, of the sit-outs is, is it's not a end of the previous season. It's not a complete preview of the next season. But it does give us a chance to kind of get a glimpse into the future in ways that we couldn't in the past in bowl games. And so while I wouldn't call it a preseason game, I, I do believe there is some sort of we have to rethink the the way in which we view it. And so in that regard, I think Full House Backfield is onto something. We have to sh- we have, have to have a sh- shift in focus to properly appreciate what bowl games are. And, and instead of saying, well, it's not like it was when we were younger, which I makes me sad because I think bowl season was phenomenal and and younger people don't really appreciate it the way that you and I did. I mean, where Mm -hmm. for like four or five days, I did nothing. So like from December 27th to like January 2nd, just don't bother me. Like, (laughs) seriously, like don't bother me. I'm doing nothing but watching bowl games. And, and especially January 1st, it is what it is. Right. But if we can reshift our focus, then I think we can have a, we can enjoy it a lot more. Like, okay, oh, well, Joe Walt's not playing. Why should I care? Like, I had somebody say, well, I'm not going to pay money to go to a bowl game, you know, and all, so all these guys sitting out. And I'm like, so you're going to punish the guys who are staying by not going to the game, right? But if you rethink, hey, this is my first chance to see, you know, what Steve Angeli can look like at quarter. It's my first chance to see perhaps, 
you know, a Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price backfield might look like. This is my first chance to see, you know, what uh, you know, what the Jaden Mickey Christian Gray cornerback room might look like moving forward. This is my first chance to see, you know, can what can Emil Wagner do replacing Blake Fisher, right? These are mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things in that regard, Sean, where you say if you if you can change your focus, then I think we'll have a greater appreciation for what these games mean. Now that doesn't mean that I care less about winning. Yeah. That never changes. Just more about instead of it being so much a cap on the end of this season, it's partly that record wise, but how the game is played and what we see is more of a, it's our first glimpse into what the next season might be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I could simplify this for you, Brian. As two married men, just recognize that you're married to Notre Dame football. And in doing so, you know what? The majority of the time, there's no purpose to arguing because you're going to end up doing what she asked you to do anyway. So you sit up here, oh, man, watch should I watch the game? Trust me, we'll all be watching the Sun Bowl at the same time. Like, we sit up here and have these debates and arguments, but we'll all watch the game. We'll all have something to say. We'll all be happy and tweeting and on the after post-game show talking about how happy we are they got the 10 wins. So what are we really talking about? As a fan, you're married to Notre Dame football. And you deal with all the angst, all the frustration at the end of the day, when they play, wherever they play, you'll be there and you'll be watching. It just, just admit it. You're in love. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's par for the course, right? I understand what you're saying. It's not the same, but it doesn't change. Heck. My wife doesn't look the same the first day I met her, and I definitely don't look the same. <laughs> like that's life. Things change as you move on, especially in relationships. And you know, as a fan of Notre Dame football, things will continue to change. But you're locked in. So enjoy it, man. Just enjoy it. We have another one from Full House Backfield, Sean. Maybe not necessarily from a playing style, unless you tell me different, but instead. From a potential freshman impact perspective, how does KVA stack up against Anthony Hill Jr.? Well, I, if if Kingston gets the opportunity to play as a freshman, I, I, I it could be very similar production wise. They're different players stylistically. They're they're different strengths. Anthony Hill to me is more about athleticism and those type of things, and he is just about super, super savvy. That'll come in time. I mean, he's a freshman where Kingston kind of arrives with a little bit more, a little bit more 
savviness to him. Anthony Hill mm-hmm. is also an attacker, attacking football player, man, like five sacks this year. Kingston's more of a pure Mike, a pure inside linebacker, not old school, but a modern pure inside linebacker. You know, I think Anthony Hill had like 60, 70 tackles, something like that. I could easily see Kingston being that kind of player as a true freshman. Easily. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is Anthony Hill didn't have a Drake Bowen in front of him and a Jaden Allsbury and a Jalen Sneed. So I don't know that the opportunity to play that much will be there. Kind of like, you know, when Manti was a freshman. I mean, Manti eventually kind of got that opportunity and produced. But so, so as far as freshman impact perspective, in my opinion, Kingston has every bit the ability to impact the game that much if he wins the job. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. Um it would look different. And that's why I like that. He said, not from a playing style standpoint, which is a great way of phrasing that by the way, to help. Cause otherwise we'd have just started comparing how their skill sets are different. Right. But as far as impacting the game, there's no reason he can't be that kind of player. Now it's going to be challenging for him to yeah. be that because he's got to yeah. beat out Drake Bowen. And, and I didn't even mention Nolan Ziegler, if he's able to come back and get himself been, back on yo, track. That right? video he put out of him on the treadmill. Yeah. I was so happy yeah. to see him going hard, right. looking like he's, you know, in great shape physically, but more than that, just mentally, mentally yeah. just in a really good place. So yeah. I'm looking forward to watching that young man There's in all season. There's a ton of talent the there, Sean. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Keanu and Kia he, comes back off mission. I mean, there, yes. it, there's a lot. It The path to being that kind of freshman impact player is, is going to be a lot more challenging for Kingston than it was for Anthony Hill. Who, who's, the minute it – That's I'm what sure, you want. No, the minute ahead. Anthony Hill stepped on campus, he was the best, most ta- by far the most talented linebacker in that room. Yeah. By far. Kingston's in the conversation yeah. for being the best linebacker in the room. It's not a given by any stretch because Drake yeah. Bowen has a thing to say about that. Jaden Allsbury's going to have a thing to say about that. Jalen Sneed's going to have a thing to say about that. Nolan Ziegler's going to have a thing to say about that, right? So, uh, But that's also a great thing for Notre Dame that, they, that he doesn't just walk in the room. Like, I can't think of a single freshman outside of maybe Cam w- Williams because he's so different from everybody mm-hmm. else. And and maybe Gearby Lambert if you project Jagasaw inside. Yeah. I can't think of another freshman in what you and I view as an outstanding recruiting class that just walks in the door and he's like, I'm better than everybody in this room, which we've seen a lot of recently. Let's be honest, because those guys are such unicorns. But and that that's not an indictment of the 24 class. That's praising what the current roster looks like. There's a misconception amongst fan bases across college football. So whereas we build up, we follow these kids for two years, right? Like Notre Dame fans will start locking in on the 26 kids in the spring. And they'll read every article and latch on to their films and latch on to their games. And two years of just anticipation when they finally commit and get there, the anticipation is so high that it's like you almost expect these like, okay, when are we going to see this kid? And it's like, yo, your best programs, you just don't walk in as a freshman. I don't care how good you are. You don't walk in and just be that guy. You just don't. Like, look at Dallas Turner this year in his third year. He started getting playing time towards the end of his freshman year and flashed a little bit, but he didn't walk in and just become the guy, Mm -hmm. right? 
And that's what you get when you become an elite program. So don't be disappointed if Kingston doesn't walk in. If he doesn't walk in and immediately get playing time, that doesn't say anything about who he is. He's not a disappointment. That means your program has gotten to the point where the talent is really that good, where the best of the best from your previous class has to wait their turn. If Cam Williams doesn't immediately pop, yo, every now and then you will get a Kyle Hamilton. Every now and then you will get a Caleb Downs from Alabama. But heck, Keon Keeley didn't see the field? Hardly at all. And that doesn't mean but that he's doesn't not... mean he's a bust. Right. Exactly. Because there's dudes in front of him. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you, you've told the story about how Bryce Young shows up as the number one player in the country and he's got to sit. Why? Because mm-hmm. there's a first round draft pick who's a senior in front of him. And that's kind of part of the deal. So it, it but but Kingston is a very talented player. Absolutely. Very talented player. Absolutely. But temper expectations because in my opinion the talent level is is increasing on the notre dame roster so as you get these talented kids in you know yes an elite program should find a way to get the best guys on the field kingston needs to play next year absolutely he needs to play next year i'll be saying the same things about him next year that i said about drake bone this year that he should have played more you should have used him in the rotation more Mm-hmm. I would imagine if you're younger, there might be more emphasis on maybe a deeper rotation since you'll be younger next year, but we'll we'll have to see how that plays mm-hmm. out. Uh, Ivan Banani, thank you for the super chat. Can you explain how indie transfers work? Oh, boy. The ins and outs or reasons behind it. Her Ryan say it's easier for kids with less credits or as a grad transfer, well, it's I'll make it as simple as possible. I mean, it's very simple. Essentially, Notre Dame is not going to bring a kid into school that won't then be on pace to graduate. Mm-hmm. And if you bring in a kid who's a third-year player and you don't accept over half his credits, he has no chance of graduating in a year, year you know, year and a half. He's going to lose two whole years of eligibility. A freshman, who it'll be easier for him to transfer because a freshman is going to bring in a because what happens essentially is they don't take the credits towards your major. Everything gets turned into electives. So they'll take all your classes, but they just all go towards electives, not your degree track. Mm-hmm. And so what happens with a younger player, a freshman, even a second, you know, maybe third semester sophomore, is you may only lose five classes that were towards your major. You can get back that back over the next two summers, essentially. So, but all those classes you took, they still take, but they send them to your they put them towards your 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 um, electives, which is fine. You're okay there because electives are just that. This is anything. You know, there's certain things you just an elective. I chose to take. I took a poetry class in college. Why? I had no mm-hmm. interest in poetry. It seemed like it'd be easy, and I, boy, was I freaking wrong. That guy took his class way too seriously. You know, but those are things that you do as you go through the process, Sean. It's interesting for me because this is not just something that's exclusive to Notre Dame. If you go to most of your inner cities or, or cities around the country that have the best high schools, you know, try to transfer your kid from one of the best public schools to one of the best private schools. And you're going to have the same issue. They're going to question. They might ask them to retest, to test in a certain classes because they're not accepting this math class. They're not accepting that math class. It's about the best schools from an educational standpoint, having a higher bar, 
And then if you're coming from a school, like if you're coming from Northwestern, they respect that. If you're coming from a Harvard, okay, we have similar levels of education and classes. It's much easier to transfer some of those credits and courses. But if you're coming from like a public school or something like that, it's far more difficult. So that's not just college. You can go, man, elementary school, high school, that's just all around the country. When you elevate the level of education, you know, it's going to be difficult to go ahead and keep what you already have as you transfer over. And it's going to make it more difficult, like Brian pointed out, to stay on track to graduate. You got another one for my dad. Another one. I love when we're, uh, let's see, I love where we're at right now compared to other coaches with about the same tenure. Napier, Deneb, Cristobal, Heifel, Beamer, Thoughts, MF taking us to the ship. Yeah, so what's that? Billy Napier at Florida, Brent Venables at Oklahoma, Mark Cristobal at Miami, Josh Heifel at Tennessee, Frank Beamer mm -hmm. at South Carolina. Well, I certainly like where Notre Dame is compared to Billy Napier at Florida. Um, he inherited a Marcus Freeman inherited a, a, a roster that didn't need nearly as much overhauling as Billy Napier's. So, I mean, that you have to give him, you have to recognize that. I don't think the roster is quite as good as people have made it out to be. Mm -hmm. And if we are going to go back and look who inherited more first round draft picks, first and second round draft picks, it would actually be Brian Kelly, you know, who inherited, I mean, Manti, Tyler Eifert, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, we could go down a long list of NFL guys that were already at Notre Dame when Brian Kelly arrived, but it was still a good roster. And some of these guys had to turn it over. I mean, look, I, I, I think I, I'm not a big Brent Venables fan. He did a nice job turning that team around this year. He did. I mean, it, I don't even think they were that great of a team, but they found ways to win mm -hmm. and, and went 10 and two. I, after going six and six last year, I got to give him credit for that. You Impressive know, and, win against Texas. Yeah. And, 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 and had to learn how to win because people forget, Quinn Ewers led Texas down on a go-ahead drive, like with less than I think less than two minutes left, and they came right back, came right back and scored. Right, I yeah. mean, you know, and so so I actually think they actually played above where they should have been. There's a couple games where I'm like they probably shouldn't have won that football game, mm -hmm. and uh, Texas being one of them. And so uh, props to the job he did this year. Now, is it sustainable? We'll find out. But you know, he did a nice job. Mario Cristobal is an, is an interesting one, Sean, because. What Mario Cristobal is doing on the field is a lot different than what he's doing in the in the on the recruiting trail, mm -hmm. and I'm not overly impressed with what he's done on the field so far this year. And and you can say, well, they they lost to Florida State and Louisville le late in the year, but they were both touchdown games, and their last three losses were all to ranked teams, and that's all true. But it's like, but you're Miami, you know, because that also gets bounced by the fact you lost at home to Georgia Tech, you lost mm -hmm. at North Carolina. And yeah, you beat Clemson, but that was more about Clemson giving that game away than mm -hmm. it was about Miami winning it. And so I, that's an interesting one because recruiting wise, he's doing some really good things. Building a team, still a bit of a work in progress. Uh, I actually I like what Josh Heupel's doing. I think the the actually the issue with Josh, with Josh Heupel is his team peaked too early. And that caused him to lose a bunch of guys to the NFL that he otherwise wouldn't have lost if they were eight and four last year, which is really where they should have been based on what he inherited. But he did a great job getting that team going. And I'll be honest with you, Sean, I was I was really impressed by the job he did this year because I don't think Tennessee was very good. I don't yeah. think Tennessee has any business being ranked in the top 25. But it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse 
because of how much talent they lost this year. You know, eight and four records, not bad. And, and he's recruiting very well. They yeah. just landed a good pickup in the transfer portal in Holden Stace. That's a good pickup yeah. for Tennessee. Holden Stace is a good football player. He just was getting passed up by guys in Notre Dame. And he's holding on to guys in the 24 class. Correct. That's Correct. key as well. Yeah. Holding on to a Caleb Beasley, holding right. on to an Edwin Spielman, guys like that. Right. So those are good things. Uh, he's yeah. doing a nice job. Shane Beamer, that's a train wreck right now. I mean, Man. that's a train wreck. Uh, Billy Napier, I think, is a good football coach. He just he has to do a better job with hires and fires, like Brian Kelly. We talked about that, and Marcus yeah. Freeman needs to prove. But the problem there is the toxic culture of the school where guys not even a year and a half into his tenure and they're talking about replacing him. It is hard. people. This is what you fans don't not you fans. This is what we as fans don't understand is, is we can create a, 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 a culture or an environment where it's, it can, it can be hard to win in that environment because I have to go recruit. And these young people who live on Twitter see nothing but this guy sucks. That guy sucks. Fire everybody. They're yeah. like, I don't know if I want to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how long the coach is going to be. Have you been on? now? That's not real life. I mean, that, that's not real life. That's not what, you know, people Oh, Ryan Day might get fired. Gene Smith is not firing Ryan Day because he lost to uh, Michigan again. He's not. He may do it in a couple of years, but he's not. <laughs> but you, you look at that and you're like, man, this is a very, very toxic situation. You'd think Ohio State went eight and four this year, the way that some people talk about that football team. And, and so that's what's. Yeah. That's what's hurting Billy Napier down there. Dean is retiring too. Right. Well, and then whoever the new AD is not going to fire. Right. So, but Gene wouldn't have the new AD coming in, having to find a new guy. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like he would do that to the next guy. Because he would have to hire the new coach. Yes. And to your point, he's not going to do that. Gene, yeah. So, um, but that's what we we got. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, but. It's just it, it can just get like, dude, guys, a year and a half in his tenure, and everybody's already given up on him. Like, come on, guys, like, what are we doing here? So it, just, it makes it very hard to win. That's why I tell some of these. That's why you see more and more of these coaches like Jason Candle at Toledo. Mm-hmm. Look, man, I'm making two million dollars a year, and if I have an eight and four, seven and five year next year because we're rebuilding, they understand. You know, you take the Michigan State job and win a couple years in a row, and then go five and seven and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's not even a big time job. You know, by the way, Jonathan Smith is making some great hires, by the way, so far. Hiring Joe Rossi away from Minnesota was a phenomenal hire. Man. By the way. That was impressive. I will say this, though. I I do believe that, and it goes back to people don't understand sometimes as fans, and even, you know, I think we fall prey to it sometimes, is just expectations, right? And like you said, the, the season they had with Hendon Hooker, I'm sure Josh Heupel was tempted multiple times this year to play Nico. Oh, yeah. But he played the long game. Right. He said, no, I'm not messing up this young man's development. Right. I'll have him ready next year. I know it's plenty of times this year where he was like, man, look. And he was it because he was able to get him in the game. Yeah. You know, like when they yeah. had some blowouts, he was still able to get them on the field. Kid threw 26 passes this year. Yeah. So he got him in. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, yeah, the Beamer situation, train wreck. It's a mess. What Crystal Ball is doing from a, like you said, you know, I like what I actually like what he's doing. And this is his track record. He can really build nice offensive lines. Where oh, yeah. 
Because then they have like what three, two or three freshman two starters three this freshman year. Starters. Yeah. So it's like he can build offensive line. So that's his track record. His quarterbacks have been questionable, you know, and then his defensive, his staff defensively has been questionable mm-hmm. as well. And now he's just really locking into like former, former Miami players, you know, some NFL guys. Yes, Jason Taylor. So we'll, we'll see. And that's how what that you wonder is, is he making too many recruiting hires? Yeah. That you know, that's a question you have to ask a little yeah. bit, you know. And but, lastly, uh, this you're gonna like this because I can't wait to see how you respond to this. It's very interesting that Dylan Great Gabriel chose to hop in the portal because he would have been in his second year at Oklahoma and probably would have been better. Third year at Oklahoma. Yeah, you're right. Third year at Oklahoma and probably would have been better. And on top of that, look, they had a lot of injuries late in the season at mm-hmm. wide receiver. That hurt their offense. So I'll say this. Are they really in love with Jackson Arnold? Like yeah. That? We were See told, that? yeah, we were told that they kind of forced See, Dylan that's, out. That's what I was leading into. Like, really? Yeah. Like, okay. Like they must not I mean they I, maybe they don't view their team as being a championship contender next season. And they're just like, look, we're gonna get better because we think in 2025 we got a shot to be great, you know, when our recruiting classes are now juniors and seniors. Perhaps that's mm-hmm. it. And honestly, if you truly look at your roster and you have a look, guys, look, we'd have to get seven or eight big time impact portal guys at multiple positions. It's gonna cost us a lot of money for us to be a even in the championship conversation. Now we can, you know, especially going to the SEC mm-hmm. to be in the championship conversation next year. So do we just you know, get some guys to make us competitive and then and then kind of roll into developing for the next year. I'm okay with Brenton Venables being in that situation because he had to completely overhaul that roster because of how many mm-hmm. kids left when when uh when uh Lincoln Riley left. Now mm-hmm. the other thing is the flip side is I wish Notre Dame was more on the same page of where Oregon and Washington were. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because we're talking about younger coaches and first, second, not younger, but you know, early tenured coaches that Notre Dame's in a much better position than I noticed you left off Oregon and Washington. Those are both second-year coaches that are doing a phenomenal job. And that's, you know, that's where Coach Freeman needs to get to, is where you're maximizing. Like, Washington got everything out of that football team and then some. Mm-hmm. Where we're watching Notre Dame and we're like, how the heck did you lose to that team? Mm-hmm. How did you lose to that team? How did you not make that play? Well, you know what? When Washington needed plays, defense and offense this year, somebody stepped up. And that's what great – that's what great well-coached teams do with the right culture. And I don't know that right now Notre Dame has the right culture. Part of that's on the players in the locker room. Part of that's on Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the biggest soul-searching aspect that Coach Freeman is going to have to do this offseason. It's not, it's not about getting a new portal quarterback and just keep doing what you're doing, but replace them with different players. There are other things that need to get fixed and corrected that are going to create the type of championship culture that is needed. That I don't believe that I mean I don't believe it's very clear from watching Notre Dame play on Saturdays that does not is not there where it needs to be just yet, and we'll see if we can get them there. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season, which means it's a time for giving. Giving to our community is important. And there's always joy in giving to our friends and family. We also need to ensure that we are properly focused on giving to ourselves and making sure we're taking steps to give ourselves the tools we need to get through the tough times. 
The holidays are a perfect time for that. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. Randy Hernandez, thank you for the super chat. Brian, any plans for an IB meetup in El Paso? I'm looking forward to the Sun Bowl. I can't wait to hear this answer. Yeah, we're going to plan something for that. Yeah, so I've I've heard a couple recommendations from people uh, that are places we can go. I'm going to start planning probably over the next week making some calls and trying to find a place where we can meet up probably either the 27th or 28th. I haven't quite decided that yet. Got to look at my schedule, the Notre Dame schedule, but yeah, we'll, we'll do some kind of meetup. What What's easier in your opinion, setting up a meetup at like a, a hotel where people already reside or somewhere like a bar or restaurant? We always do like restaurants because okay. not everybody's not always at the same hotel. People, I mean, some people are driving in from out of town. Some people are local. Some people are staying at hotels but uh, yeah, in the last two we've done, we did one in 2015 when I was at BGI. I did one with people there. And then we did one at the Fiesta Bowl two years ago, which was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, we'll do another one of those. It'll be, it'll be good. Arizona is always nice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, TDD Grammy four. How fast would you like the starting quarterback and wide receivers to be named to get the reps and chemistry for the season? And does the portal affect the timeline? Yeah, the portal affects the timeline a little bit. But look, I don't think the quarterback situation is going to be the same as it was last year. The difference last year is you had a guy that that in Tyler Buckner who had kind of already won the starting job before Mm -hmm. and who was coming off of a brilliant performance. Well, I shouldn't say brilliant outside of two plays was coming off a pretty brilliant performance in the bowl game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so it was a little bit different than I me. Mean, even if Steve Angeli goes out and plays well in the bowl game, Notre Dame wins. He was a backup quarterback that hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, I know Tyler only started three games, but Tyler played a bunch of football his freshman year as well mm-hmm. on top of last year. So it's a different dynamic. I don't, I don't think I mean, Notre Dame will give lip service to it, but nobody's buying that there's going to be a, a it it would have to be a we're assuming he's the guy unless over the course of the time somebody just consistently outplays the guy or he really struggles. It's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic than it was last year where Tyler Buckner deserved the right for it to be an honest competition. And I don't know that Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie or CJ Carr will have earned that, in my opinion. Or not earned it, but earned is not the right word. Done enough to warrant that is probably a better way of saying it. And look, this might sound crazy. People, it might sound crazy. Tyler Buckner did some things in spring practices, man. Like Tyler Buckner did some things in spring practices that made you feel like, okay, this this kid might be turning the corner. Mm-hmm. He he really did. You know, and it was a reason why he was highly touted coming out of high school. 
It's not like he didn't have skills, but for that to transfer to games and, you know, not to turn the ball over and things of that nature, you know. And just staying just healthy. That was, that was a big one. You know, and it's like, yo, and like someone in the chat is like, we talking about practice. That's where people earn playing time. Right. So you can't right. poop poop practice. Look, just because Allen Iverson said that doesn't mean it's a, a an appropriate thought process, right? Uh, Allen Iverson's a unique player. First of all, don't get me started on Allen Iverson's attitude, <laughs> but that's a different deal. That's an NBA veteran who was one of the greatest players of his generation. Mm-hmm. That's not true for 99.9% of people. It just isn't. So yes, practice matters. Matters in a big way. It it's just going to be a different animal than it was last year. What's the first thing that fans say when they see poor performance on the field? What are these coaches doing in practice? Right. What right? What are they doing? Going. Right. It's yeah. like so. Either practice matters or it doesn't. You know. And like I said, that's one of the things. Like we say all the time. Like we can we can sit here forecast report what we see, what goes on, the heart can't be measured. And then the mind can't be measured. And like what we say, the moxie is something mm-hmm. else that for a kid like Steve Angeli that might not look as pretty in practice, his moxie and his other abilities allow him to go into game, this game atmospheres and kind of be very calming and perform and lead. And that is what football and life is all about. Like, there is no one way. To, I'm sure Max Dugan probably wasn't pretty in practice. But he was just moxie. Yeah. He was a Which gamer. is why he got beat out. Yes. I mean, part of, it was his, yes. part of it was his injuries. I mean, he had some health issues and all that. But, like, that would have been a thing where when he came back, he would have gotten the job back. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. Mm-mm. That's not what happened. So, yeah, it would be interesting. And then the guy that beat him out didn't really look that impressive this year. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So right. Now he had a different team around him, but your your point stands. Your point stands. Brandon Plinson, thank you for the super chat. Is Brown receiving any other titles than wide receiver? Not in the release. So in the release that we we were given, it was just wide receivers coach. Now that doesn't mean things may not change at some point in time, but no, Uh, it was probably just a pretty decent pay bump and a chance to work with Marcus Freeman and be at Notre yeah. Dame as opposed to Wisconsin. But no, he, he's coming. And the other thing too is, is like he he's going to know the way that Jared Parker runs the offense that he's going to want input and have guys yeah. be responsible for certain things. So whether you have a title or not, look, a lot of these titles, Sean, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a level of trust that has to go into being an associate head coach, but the primary reason you can give a guy those duties and not give him a title. Yeah. The primary reason for those titles is a pay raise. Is is to say I'm giving him a new title, we need to give him more money. That's what a lot of them come down to. Terry McCall, thanks for the super chat. With new president AD coming in and now a junior transfer in and now a junior transfer coming in, can we now anticipate more opportunities with undergrad transfers? Is this a barrier to entry that is getting better? Either way, love B. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame has gotten a junior transfer before. I mean, like 
Notre Dame has gotten several undergrad transfers. Lloyd Gilman was an undergrad transfer. Brandon Joseph was an undergrad transfer. I don't know how many of these guys are undergrads. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if Bo Collins was on pace to graduate. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked. And, and there might be some plan in place to have him taking some courses remotely from Clemson next year as well to help him be. I, I don't know. But I'm, I know that Notre Dame is working on it. I, I don't know that the new president, new AD, I don't know what their views are on those things. I mean, for all I know, they may come in and want to crack down and have less of it. I have no clue. Yeah. No clue. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they're mo- – because here's the, here's the thing you have to balance. You have to balance what's best for the football team with what's best for these young men and the academic goals that Notre Dame has as an institution. And if you're just going to bring in a kid who's going to come in here for one semester – who doesn't care about getting his degree because he just wants to play football at Notre Dame, win a championship, go be a first-round NFL draft pick. Is that really staying true to the the heart of who Notre Dame is? And I know some people don't want to hear that, Sean. Some people don't. I don't want to hear all I just want to win championships. Okay, that's fine. But do you understand that's never going to be all it's about at Notre Dame, ever. Mm -hmm. And so you can continue getting pissed about it, but that's just who Notre Dame is. And I'm okay with that because I I think this notion that, you know, you can't be a, a, a great football player and care about, other things you we should be encouraging more of that to be honest we should be chastising other schools for not promoting that type of culture if we're going to be honest about it but it is what it is uh it's just it's never going to be that way for Notre Dame does that mean that Notre Dame can't do more things to work with the school to make sure that these kids that maybe they do accept hey look we don't have this direct class but this kind of meets this requirement and so we'll work with you on that I think there should be more of that. I do think there should be more of that. And and, and it does seem yeah. like they're doing a little bit more of that, yeah. depending on what the major is. Uh, but uh, there's only so far Notre Dame can and should go in that regard. Like, I don't want Notre Dame bringing in mercenaries that aren't going to be leaving with degrees. I don't care about – if a guy wants to come here for two semesters and not take his master's classes seriously, I don't care. I mean, I, I think I think you're silly. You're foolish. And you're, 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 you, foolish is a much better re- word, John. You're foolish, but you've got a degree. It is what it is. This is your, your, you've got your degree. Now I'm just trying to do something for myself athletically and for my chosen profession. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. I think it's a missed opportunity. I think it's foolish, but it doesn't bother me. If you're going to come to Notre Dame and you don't have a degree yet and you're going to act a fool and not go to class and do things you need to do or you're not going to take it seriously to get – then. I don't know that you have the temperament to thrive in the in the culture that is Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I mean, you can say, well, it shouldn't be that way, but it is and it always will be. Whether you like it or not, it, that's just how it's always going to be. And I, honestly, be. I think I think if you handle it the right way, I think I still say this again. I think it's a good thing. I think the best coaches in Notre Dame took the challenges that that is Notre Dame and used it as fuel to create a far more mentally tough football team. Yeah. And Marcus Freeman is going to have to figure out how to do that. It's about relationships, B. At, that's yo, you gotta have relationships at every level across the program, across the university. That's it. If you have build good relationships, now we can work together to make some things happen. Mark one, mm-hmm. thank you for the super chat. Good show. I think with 15 practices plus game, we'll make make better with the, make us better with the players, changes our team should be in playoffs at a minimum. I mean, I, I, I can I just wait and see what the roster looks like um, before I start talking about what expectations for going to be next year. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Notre Dame should always have a high standard. I just I just want to see the team get put together first. Mm-hmm. There's a couple positions that that um, 
need to get filled first before we kind of get into that. So we'll find out. And then this last super chat for Michael S. Will Coach Brown, will Brown coach the wide in the bowl game? Yeah, we talked about that at the beginning of the show, Michael. Uh, he will be. As soon as he once the once the hire is made official, the guy can start coaching. He, he was not hiding last week, was he? No. He was spotted around town no. all week. <laughs> no. No. I, this is not at the top of the question, Sean, but I wanted to bring this someone up because I think this is a really good question that, that kind of leads to – kind of plays off of what we were just talking about, about what could or could not keep Notre Dame from being that type of playoff or better team next season. Mm-hmm. Jason, we thank you for the Super Chat. Who on the 2024 team do you see being that tone setter? Anyone able to play that Zippy Samarja vibe that brings that confidence, swagger, and envy? Piss and vinegar. Uh, okay. I, I, I was like, yo, I didn't know what yeah. that was. I say that all the time. Where, is, that like a, is that like a Virginia Southern? It's, maybe. I don't know. Okay. It's like you're just full of piss and vinegar. It's like because it's really gotcha. like, you know, like. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, you got that some was, nastiness too. You got some, that was yeah, you got yeah, some, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the question that I have, Jason. I don't, I don't, I think that's something that was missing from this year's football team mm. a- and something that, that is part of, it's not the only reason it's part of why this football team didn't play to its potential is because they didn't have that guy that could challenge other players, could challenge coaches in the right way. They didn't have those guys that stepped up and say, hey, in games, like, hey, not only am I going to make that play at the end, but I'm going to set the tone to where we don't have to have that play at the end. I mean, I've talked about this all the time. You look at some of the best teams Notre Dame had, they had those guys. You know, I mean, just look from the Brian Kelly era. The 2011 team was not as talented, or the 2012 team was not as talented as the 2011 team. I mean, who were the only really newcomers that did anything in 2012? It was like what? It was Kavari Russell. Sheldon Day was kind of was a backup. That's about it. But they lost Michael Floyd. They lost Harrison Smith. They lost Darius Fleming. They lost Steve Filer. I mean, they lost some talented football players. But why was the 2012 team better? That team just had a different attitude, a different culture. You had guys like Manti and Capron, Lewis Moore, Zeke Mata that would get in your freaking face if you weren't doing what you needed to do. But also were guys who went out there and performed at a high level that played with that type of swagger you needed. You look at the 2015 team, you had guys like that, Will Fuller, Quentin Nelson, uh, even as a young guy still had that Malik as the leader of that team in the off season. I've talked about this since 2015. That was a big part of why that team had that attitude was the leader in that, of that team. So even though Malik was hurt, he could still be in the locker room, get in people's face. He didn't have that in 2016. And then team struggled. You didn't have, you know, you had that Sheldon day type of guy, who could lead by example, but you also had guys on the 2015 team like Kavari Russell, who was kind of a yapper. You know, he'd kind of get at you. Jalen Smith, uh, Joe Schmidt. I mean, whatever you think of him as a player, Joe Schmidt had the kind of mindset that you guys wanted and needed. Like he would, he would get you, he would get on you, he would do those type of things. The 2017 team with Quentin Nelson, I mean, flat out had that type of deal. There's plenty of guys like that. And then you look at other teams that had Really a lot of talent, the 2019 team, tons of talent. But did that team really have that leader? I don't know that it did. Uh, the 2014 team, I don't know that it did. And and so that's – and, and this year's team flat out lacked that. Like, love Audric Estime. But 
can he really be that guy? I don't think that he can. It needed to be a, you know, you needed it in the offensive line. You needed it at quarterback. You needed it somewhere else. You, you know, Defensively, you had a lot of great kids that brought a lot of swagger. You had a little bit more of that on defense. But, like, next year is going to be different because Xavier Watts, if he comes back, has a different mentality. He couldn't be that guy this year because he was an unproven player. We, were, we didn't know for sure if he was going to start. We knew he was going to yeah. play a lot. You know, Benjamin Morrison's still young. He's still a sophomore. You know, and, and and Howard Cross was really going to his first four years of full-time starter. So now some of those guys that have that swagger are now going to be leaders on defense next year. So I'm, I'm more optimistic we're going to see it on defense. Drake Bowen may be a sophomore, but if he's starting next year, Sean, he's got a different – with all due respect to J.D., who's a great kid, did some great things in Notre Dame, and Maris, Drake Bowen is just a different cat. You've got to know him a little bit differently. Even as a sophomore, he's going to have that. I don't give a crap if you're a fifth-year senior. I don't care. No. Like this is what you know. I'm the Mike linebacker. I'm the quarterback's defense. Get your freaking butt going. You know, and you need that. You really need he's, that. He's the kid where the freshmen come in. Drake Bowen's the kid that walks in and says, "Hey, we're about to show you what it means to play right. here." Right. We're gonna. We're gonna. You don't know anything. Because I didn't know anything a year ago. Exactly. Right. So, but we're about to show you what Notre Dame football is right. and what the Notre Dame football way is. So, but I don't know who I those guys are on hard. offense, Sean. That's my concern. You know, can Mitchell Evans be that now that he's kind of established himself? I don't know that Mitchell has that kind of personality. I'm hopeful, but then again, he's going to miss probably the first month of the season because mm. of the injury. You know, is is does does the next quarterback have that mentality? I don't know. You start looking at it, there are some young guys that, I, that I'm that i hopeful of. So, Jason, if you want to know who I hope those guys are, I'm hoping that Billy Shrouth and Ashton Craig can be that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Jeremiah Love can be that kind of guy because he's got some on-field swagger to him. I'm hoping that Jaden Greathouse can be that kind of guy because Jaden is a very confident kid who, who, who also will, will quickly become one of those I-don't-care-who-you-are type of people we're going, we're going, we're going to win this way. I, 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 dude, I came from Austin West. Like we lost like one game in three years. Uh, this whole losing three games in the season crap is for the birds. You know what I mean? Like I didn't come here for this. That's where I'm kind of looking forward for some of those younger players, Sean, because there is a lot more of that type of, cause it's gotta be natural. You can't ask JD Bertrand to be that guy. You can't ask Joe Walt to be that guy. Cause that's just not who they are. It has to be, a part of who a kid is. Now you can, as a coach, bring it out of a kid. If it's there, Hey man, Drake, I know you want to say stuff, man. It's a, you're a, it's a, you're, you're a sophomore. Now you're starting middle linebacker. Like I need mm-hmm. you to let it go. Cause that's who you are. But if Drake's more of a quiet, do your job, just get everybody lined up kind of leader. You can't ask him to be Manti. Just, it's not who he is. Right. You're right. You're right. And so th- there are some of those guys, but I do think some of the guys that emerged this year, like Xavier Watts, who has that swagger, now that he's established himself as a dude, now you go into the offseason. Xavier's not just a talented player that you're hoping project. Now he is, that's the dude on defense now. Yeah. And so now when Xavier starts talking, now you're like, what were, what were you saying, Mr. Consensus All-American? Okay, mm-hmm. sure, we'll do that. You know what I mean? What were you? What would you like me to do, Mister? Led the nation in interceptions. Cool, I got you. I'll do that. Where if he would have tried that last off season, it would have been like, "Hey man, 
why don't you go win a starting job first and then mm-hmm. come talk to me you know and and i think that's going to be a, a good thing but um but and the Notre fact Dame, that we don't know who those are jason to me is is partly yeah. why we can look at the 2023 season as a disappointment is because yeah. they didn't have that yeah. mentality yeah good question do you think it's do you think it's difficult from a position standpoint because you mentioned Aldrick estimate I don't know a lot of teams where the running back is that guy. Not anymore. It's, it's usually quarterback, O-line. Well, it used to be. I mean, Jerome Bettis was a tone setter. Yes. yes, you're right. But you're getting you're right. 25, 30 carries a game. Yeah. yeah. You're on the field Good the point. whole time. Good point. It's a different era. It's harder for yeah. a running back to be that guy when you're going out and getting 15 carries. Now, when Audric carried the ball 25 times against Stanford. Did he set a tone in that game? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. But if Aldrich was doing that every week, would he have been able to be healthy for the Stanford game? I don't know. Now, would Aldrich say so this is a point? But also, he doesn't have the personality for that either. That's kind of also part of my thing, too. Aldrich's just kind of the smiley, just yeah. give me the rock. I don't know that Aldrich's that. Setting the tone, even in this age at that position, might not be about the number of carries. Let me give you a perfect example. The last offensive drive against Ohio State. When somebody's running in after he just had those first two runs, if he was like a leader, he might have looked at the sideline like, no, I'm closing this. I'm not coming off the field. Or if I come off, it's for one play. I'm not coming off for two. Like those type of guys, that mentality, like, that's what you're looking for. And, and maybe um, it takes me to the interaction that Marcus Freeman had with him and Dylan McCullough on the sideline against Stanford. Like, yo. And he took the responsibility of what Coach Freeman said. Like, yo, get the running back room together. Get, like, whatever's going on, get it together. And so that's why I asked, you know, because it's easier for a quarterback who touches the ball every play. O-lineman every play. And usually the leader of the O-line is probably the center in most cases. So I was just wondering if it was positional. And, you know, if you have a a, a wide receiver that's very verbally uh, leads on teams, like a Michael Irvin type, you know, which, you know, when you look at the triplets from the Dallas Cowboys, that's rare to have three leaders at wide receiver, running back, and quarterback in their own way. Like, all three guys are willing to get in your face. Troy was very much quiet, stoic, but when he needed to get at you, he would get at you. You know, Emmett in a different way. He was kind of the lead by example, go out there, play through injury type of guy. And then Michael Irvin was the guy that was definitely. So what – you, your point is you need different types of leaders. No, my point is you oh, know, me, there are different types of leaders. No, I'm supporting what you said. Right. The game was totally different. Back right. Then, and now. But, but it's my, 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 I get what you're saying. My point is like, there's different types of leaders. Yeah. They may come from different positions now. But the fact is, is you need all those types. You can't just have lead by example guys. What? You can't right. just have get in your face guys. You need yeah. all of it. Mm-hmm. You like like Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson were like such a great captain tandem because Quentin was that scary, get in your face, like where McGlinchey mm-hmm. was like that. He's eventually going to be like governor of Pennsylvania kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like 
hey guys, you know, let's 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 have a conversation about what's mm-hmm. going on right now. We need to play better and we need to, you know, and I'm gonna and and guys, you know, fellas, I'm just I'm sorry, we've got to do better than that. Where Clinton was like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, and that's a they were a great compliment. And of course, they both played really well. Mm-hmm. And the point is you can McGlinchey was a great leader. Quentin was a great leader, and they did it two completely different ways personality-wise. But the end result was the same. But you needed both of them. You couldn't just have Q. You couldn't just have McGlinchey. They fit because they were very comparable in those mm-hmm. in that way. And 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 that's that's you know, like Kyron Williams was kind of Kyron Williams to me is more of a tone setter than Audric Estime was, even though I think Audric was a better running back. Yes, because Kyron had that personality where it was like, if you were a lineman and you weren't blocking for him, insert foot into behind. Right. You know what I mean? And he also had that great positive energy, too. Like Kyron had a lot of great positive energy that he was that tone setter. I don't know that he was like captain material because he never got to his senior year and all that. But you don't have to be. It's not about being a captain. It's about your he provided the emotional energy for that football team. That's just not Audric, but that's who Kyron is. Yeah. That's not who Audric is. I think Jeremiah no. Love can be a little bit of that. Not he doesn't have the same personality as Kyron, but he's a very energetic, like he's got some swagger to him on the football yeah. field. He's quiet off the field, but he's got some swagger to him on the field. There's no I think forecasting, I think a guy like Ashton Craig and Billy Shroud have an opportunity. Hope but so. this this goes to how well they can play. But from who they are. Like Ashton Craig can be that very calm, you know, the way he's handled himself. And Billy Shroud can be that nasty Quentin Nelson type that'll get in your face. And like you said, if they develop, they can end up being that same type of captain combo down the road, possibly. So I think Notre Dame has found swagger in, in the portal. I think both of the wide receivers that have committed have swagger in, in their own way. I really do, especially Chris Mitchell. I, Chris Mitchell. Oh, the veterans. Okay, gotcha. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I think Jake. I think Jaden Greyhouse is can be swag. Oh, that that I was saying that earlier, Sean. He has that. He has that kind of. Mm-hmm. He has that. He has something. That's why I say there's a lot of those younger players that you come and you just hope because what would happen under Kelly at times is some of that would get beat out of them. And 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 like I I like I was enjoyed listening to what you guys were talking about with um, with Oscar and it was like you know we. We tell them, Fred, you don't know nothing when Chris. But the problem is, the, this team isn't where that '90 team was with Chris Zorich, mm-hmm. because that culture had been established. This team hasn't established that culture, so you're in a position where, like, I kind of want the young guy to come in and challenge the older player because the way you think this just should be done is not the way that's going to win football games. Mm-hmm. I want you to be more like the young guy. I want you to play with that fire, play with that swagger. Don't be afraid to talk a little trash as long as it's you know what I mean. That's kind of who you are. You know, don't be afraid to to be fired up and to be passionate about playing a game of football. And, and um, you know, like to me, like my dad, it drives my dad nuts when guys will catch a pass for first down, a point to a first down. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is it depends. And it depends on who the guy is. Like when a guy does something and it's like totally scripted and it's like, you know, he's got some thing. It's like, dude, that, that's just your thing. Like you're just, that's, this is brand building. But I like those guys that are fired up that they make a catch and get it, but then they're going to freaking first down, baby. You know what I mean? Like, I want those guys with fire mm-hmm. if they have it. But I was telling you to, to you know, to watch Run, Barry, Run, which is a great documentary on uh, – I was watching it on Prime the other day. 
that's not who Barry Sanders was. You couldn't have asked Barry Sanders to be that. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, you, you needed Lomas Brown to be that or Kevin Glover or yeah. Herman Moore or whoever else. You need somebody else to be that because that's just not who Barry was. So you have to have that kind of that kind of balance. And sometimes it's okay for your dude to just be a dude on the field and somebody else has got to be the emotional leader. Yeah. I mean, Alohi Gilman was never the best player on the Notre Dame defense, ever. He was no. not ever in the top three. But he was the leader of that dang defense in 2018. Yeah. I can promise you that. And you had multiple – but you also had Drew Tranquil was the leader of that defense. Yeah. You had multiple guys. And then then Khalid could just go make plays. Khalid wasn't that that guy that, that like Alohi was, give that big giant let's go speech before a game. But Khalid was the guy that said, okay, I got you. Let me go make this fourth, third, fourth quarter play to win us a ball game, right? So right. they were different. Khalid was clutch. You need that. He was money. He was a money player. Alohi was, was that as well. But Alohi was that rah-rah speech, get in your face, you're not doing what you need to do, get your freaking butt lined up. Drew was that way. Tavon just went out and played. You know, I mean, they're, they're just different types of guys, and you need it. Julian Love had a completely different personality than Alohi Gilman. Yeah, Julian was more of a go lead by example kind of guy. Alohi was a, I think that guy might punch me in the face if I don't do what he's telling me to do right now. Right? Like, that's kind of how Zeke Mata was at Notre Dame. This guy's a little nuts. He might actually punch me if I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to rip your freaking head off. I think he might be serious. I'm going to go ahead and do what he tells me to do. Yeah. And you need some, you need some guys like that. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.